0: And he put them in the trunk of the car where my mother couldn't see them and <laughs> we drove back to the city back to dublin where we lived and when we got there my father opened the trunk of the car and showed my mother and she nearly died of course she was like so mad with him she was like what are we going to do with the goods <laughs> hello welcome back to the bleeding truth this is sally mcnally
1: the Irish midwife. <laughs> And I'm her daughter, Bridget. So welcome back. If you are a new listener, Sally is um, a midwife from Ventura, California, and she and I are doing this podcast to bring awareness to women's health around the world, and also just to spend more time together and share some of her incredible stories, because she has some really wild ones, some really good ones, and some really sad ones as well from all of her years in the labor room and just personal stories from around the world.
0: Uh, so last uh, week's episode was a little bit dark, and um, so we're we're going to uh, lift the spirits a little bit here with some happier stories from growing up in Ireland.
1: Yeah, and still, listener discretion is advised because sometimes some of Sally's stories can be disturbing <laughs> to some people. So
0: I'm so sorry about that.
1: <laughs> also, before we get into the story today. Uh, if you didn't know already, you can ask Sally a question. We'll answer it here on the podcast. All right. So the first question that we have today is from Karina. How and where did you learn to tell stories, Sally?
0: Oh, thank you for that question. That's lovely. Um, well, I, I believe most Irish people uh, are storytellers. Um, we didn't always have a TV. I can remember when a TV was brought into our house Um, And before that, we were we used to literally sit around the fireplace and tell stories and listen to each (laughs) other's stories. Uh, My father was a great storyteller. um, And uh, I can remember when we did get the the first TV, it was an old broken one. And um, he used to set it up on a, a dresser and. Uh, He'd fiddle with the buttons on the back of the TV and he'd have us sitting there saying, can you see it now? Can you see it now? And all these wavy lines uh, were on the TV and eventually then a picture would form and we'd say, we can see it, we can see it. But then, of course, it wouldn't last long. But it gave him a bit of an interest in fixing old TVs for a while. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I think that uh, telling stories, it's its uh, something very important when I talk to my daughter Bridgie she tells me that she remembers my stories from you know when she was a little kid and that's like yeah it's so uh, important I think that we tell our histories Um I, uh, I have an uncle who wrote his life story and the stories that were in there helped to fill gaps in our own family's history that were so important, you know, and helped us to understand our, our father, you know, in a better way. And um, But thinking about the... The TV, um, (laughs) when that first TV, it was up on this dresser that had a door on the front of the dresser. And I can remember as a little kid swinging on that door back and forth, back and forth, swinging on it. But I must have been getting a little heavier and um, (laughs) swinging on the door this day and the whole dresser came down and the television went flying over my head and smashed in a thousand pieces on the ground. And... I thought oh my gosh I'm in such big trouble now and my father came and he saw what happened and he said Sally come here and he was doing like a little curly thing with his finger and he brought me out <laughs> to the back garden and I thought I'm going to get a whopping now um, but instead he gave me um, a pound uh, which is money it was like two dollars at the time and uh, he said thanks very much for breaking that bloody television. He said, um, he was so worried about one of my sisters. She was about to sit for her leaving certificate and he was afraid she was watching too much TV and not studying enough. And she was very clever and he really wanted her to do well. And now that the TV was broken, he felt more confident. <laughs> She'd study. And, I, and then uh, he said, no, don't let on. That um, I wasn't mad about the TV. So when I went in, I had to pretend that, you know, I was after getting, you know, punishment.
1: (laughs) That's That's so funny. That's Thanks
0: for the the question about the the stories, uh, Karina. I think we're all a story, our whole lives, all of us. We are all a story and uh, we should, you know, tell our stories more.
1: Thank you, Karina, for that question. And if anybody else wants to ask Sally a question, either about her stories or midwife, yoga, anything like that, I uh, will make sure to put a link in the description below, and you can ask her there, and we'll answer it in the next podcast. So I guess that means it is story time. I know <laughs> you—you said I do remember most of your stories. I—I I think it's true. You—you you tell them in such a way that you get so wrapped up <laughs> into it, and it you know you create that picture in someone's mind and that's what is the memorable part because i'm imagining you as a little girl in ireland growing up and you know with with my grandparents you know your parents (laughs) and the the five sisters and all of that and i love i love hearing more about it so
0: thanks Bridgie. I was going to talk about growing up in in Catholic Ireland at the time very Catholic mm-hmm. and our house was very very Catholic both my parents were eucharistic ministers that means that eventually they got to a stage with their religion where they were handing out holy communion oh. uh, after mass you know or during the mass and also my father used to lead the rosary at the church And it was on a kind of like a little radio station as well uh, for people who couldn't uh, make it to the church, who were like very sick or, you know, in hospice. Uh, So he would lead the rosary uh, from the church and uh, he was very proud of that and the rosary was a big deal in our house growing up we all had rosary beads I remember I had a pair of rosary beads that um, Pope John Paul gave me when he came to Ireland (laughs) (laughs) I was lucky that he handed me these rosary beads my uh, parents used to make us kneel down on the floor every night and say the rosary and it was (laughs) a long prayer you know Hail Mary, Holy Mary, Hail Mary, Holy Mary and we'd... um, do this prayer and it took like 20 minutes, maybe 15, 20 minutes to get through the whole thing Um, and we'd be kneeling on the ground and sometimes we'd kneel over chairs or just kneel (laughs) there and (laughs) I'm sure we looked like, you know, if, if it was over here we'd look like kind of a cult I guess but not really (laughs) (laughs) because I'm sure people still pray like that here as well and it was very humbling at the end of the day to kneel down and and pray but my sister Kathleen was always a great source of um, enjoyment and uh, frivolity and Uh, she made me laugh so much throughout my life but I can remember a few times she'd be across the room making faces at me and uh, we'd be Hail Mary, Holy Mary Hail Mary, Holy Mary but then if I see her she'd be sticking her tongue out at me or something or making weird faces and then I'd get caught laughing and get slapped Uh, but uh, yeah that was um, our Catholic uh, That's
1: really funny actually (laughs) I remember in Ireland when I was little visiting your family. Yeah. I, you know, I wasn't raised religious at all, but your mom, my grandma would come into my room at night before bed and have me pray with her and I wow. had no idea yeah. what was going on. <laughs> I, I I just felt like I had to go along with it. So I was Aww. I was like just just pretend and I'd like mumble and i had i just had no idea what was going on so cute. <laughs> i just didn't want her to be sad and she was
0: so <laughs> sweet my mother was so sweet and yeah, such a was. religious woman and she truly had such great faith in her religion and god and uh, so she was beautiful and and the same with my father they used to go to mass you know so much sometimes every day wow yeah and uh, of course, they they wanted us to be, you know, good Catholics as well. And Lent would come and we would say, we're going to mass, we're going to mass. And uh, of course, sometimes we didn't go to mass. We'd go and meet our friends. <laughs> <laughs> and my poor father would get so mad with us. Um, When we became teenagers, you know, we were, oh, yeah, we're going to mass. And then he'd find, no, we weren't in the church. And where could we be? And sometimes we'd be with Tommy Cooney. And Tommy Cooney was this tall, handsome, young fella. And I think he dated like four of us, four out of the six of us. And so he 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 caused great strife in my father's mind. Um, <laughs> where, where, we? where is she and somebody would say she's with Tommy Cooney and oh my <laughs> god my father would I can remember once um, we were all walking along uh, with Tommy Cooney um, <laughs> and here comes my father which is walking cane walking nice and fast Uh-oh. and Tommy Cooney ran the opposite direction <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh that's funny
0: yeah I think we taught a few of us how to kiss
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god you included
0: me included
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh great so how about um growing up I know you had some some interesting pets as a young Young girl.
0: Oh, yes. Well, yes, uh, we were allowed to have pets in our house because we all loved animals. So we we, you know, spaying and neutering was not uh, <laughs> mandatory in <laughs> Ireland. So at one stage, I remember we landed with um, like a bunch of pups and kittens oh, yeah. at the same time. Wow. So it was great fun. Everybody had a baby to cuddle. Uh, it was so wonderful. We were so happy with all the the, the baby animals. And uh, we bring our friends home from school and there'd be a big line of kids coming down to cuddle the animals, you know, in the back garden. <laughs> it's like a petting zoo at one stage. Uh, but we had relatives that uh, were in the country. The country is like, um, you know, with farms Uh, wonderful cousins and uncles and aunts and we'd go and visit them and this time we went to visit and uh, one of my uncles uh, we were walking and uh, through the farm and he said oh yes there's some some baby goats there we're going to have to put them down because we don't want any more goats and I asked my father what does that mean and oh, yeah. my father said well he's probably going to kill them and eat them and I was like horrified oh my god the goats <laughs> were so cute the goats were like <clears throat> and jumping around and um so I said please 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 and my other sisters we were like asking my father please don't let it happen don't let it happen my father was a big oh. softy and um so he got the two goats and he tied their legs together, all four legs. I can remember all four legs tied together. And he put them in the trunk of the car where my mother couldn't see them. And we <laughs> drove back to the city, back to Dublin where we lived. And when we got there, my father opened the trunk of the car and showed my mother. And she nearly died. Of course, she was like so mad <laughs> with him. She was like, what are we going to do with the goats? And he said, I couldn't let them, you know, be killed. The girls were so upset. Um, so we took the goats out and we put them in our back garden. Uh, we had this lovely back garden. It was a big, long garden and uh, there was a big space for vegetables and there was uh, hedges and flowers and roses. And it was such a beautiful mm-hmm. place. Both my mother and father loved to garden and they loved feeding us uh, with, you know, the fresh vegetables from the garden. Mm -hmm. And we had a little uh, chicken pen down in the and a chicken house. And it was a really fun place. Um, But I can remember that uh, that garden when we moved into the house, I was like about five or six, it was just like a stony mess. And my father built little, little sheds that became like little houses. Uh, and he had us all picking all the stones out of the sto- the soil. Uh, we'd go out every weekend. We'd pick the stones out of the soil. Wow. And make a pathway. All those stones became uh, a pathway down the middle of the garden. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, But these goats, anyway, they were so cute. <laughs> and they were starting to grow little horns. Uh, we And we <laughs> made leashes for them out of these ropes. And we'd walk our goats down the street, just like <laughs> walking your dog. Right? <laughs> we looked <laughs> so weird. And some of the kids from Dublin, they'd be like, what kind of a dog's that? And we'd be like, that's a goat. Like <laughs> as if it was like, what, don't you know anything? It's a goat. Uh, but our goats were so cute. But of course, in the garden, they'd eat everything. They were eating the hedges, they were eating oh, yeah. vegetables and they were a big nuisance. And um, <clears throat> my mother was getting very mad with the goats and she said, we can't keep the goats. And uh, my poor father, he decided, well, he was going to, kill one of the goats right make uh, uh, food out of the goat but we didn't know any of this um, but one day we were uh, sitting down to our dinner and uh, we were like eating oh, no. this strange meat that I would never tasted before and this actually started my uh, being a vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> because I'm eating this meat and it's kind of chewy and it's not really tasty I wouldn't call it tasty Because, you know, we maybe weren't used to cooking goats. My mother was a chef. That was her job. And she was like, she could turn, you know, anything into a meal. But I remember chewing this and looking around the table. And one of my sisters was, like, really sad. And she looked like she was crying. And then it dawned on me. This isn't right, you know. Um, And I stopped eating. And I said, this is not. This is not right. And I was very young. And uh, so I remember feeling very sad about that. And my father, he actually cried telling us about it. And he said he felt so guilty. Uh, He said he tried to kill the goat with his own hands. And it was really difficult because the goat wouldn't die. (laughs) And it took him ages to kill the goat. And he said it was the worst thing he ever did. And he just had so much remorse over killing the wee goat. Um, But that was the first goat. And then the second goat, um, of course, it was eating all the wrong things and it got sick. Um, So uh, we did not eat that one. um, But my father tried to make it all right in our heads and in our hearts. And he had the second goat (laughs) um, stuffed. With the, by a taxidermist uh, <laughs> and I remember the story um, the taxidermist had to send away to America to get the eyes for the goats because he, he uh, had to get special like glass eyes for the goat <laughs> <laughs> but that goat, it was just a little goat got uh, put on a little grassy patch and stood on our piano for the rest of our days there <laughs> Well, and people would come to the house and they'd look and they'd say is that a goat on your piano and we'd be like yeah
1: that's a goat
0: like as if it's was normal there's a goat on our piano
1: <laughs> it's so funny that I also have my own story about too yes tell us Reggie <laughs> I remember so I you had told me about the goat when I was younger um, but every time I'd gone to Ireland there wasn't a goat uh, you know, the stuffed one, we never saw it. But one of the last times I went, someone was like, ah, Bridget, you should go clean out the attic and see, <laughs> you know, what photos and stuff you can find up there. And I was like, okay. And I remember climbing up the, the ladder to get up into the attic and it's all dark. You know, the, there's not a whole lot. <laughs> and... You know, I got mostly up there and I turned on the light, and right in front of me is this goat <laughs> in, in the attic staring at me with those little glass eyes.
0: That's hilarious.
1: And I was like, oh, wow, it's still there. So that's where it went. Yeah. That's funny. I don't know where it is now, but. I
0: think one of my sisters has it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Man. We'll have to find a photo. Do you know how old you were when you had the goat?
0: I was probably seven or eight. Wow. I'm thinking very young. Yes. Um, but that sure was fun, the little goat. <laughs> um, but um, my mother, so that was one one way that helped me um, become a vegetarian. And then yeah. um, my mother, she kind of helped me a wee bit too <laughs> knowingly um, <laughs> she wanted us all to be very handy with you know how to prepare meals, vegetables um, and then how to prepare meat she uh, used to teach us all how to kill the chicken and clean the chicken so uh I can remember uh, once she was teaching me how to kill a chicken and it was very hard because I you know I really liked the little animals and she was great at it she would take the head of the chicken in one hand and the body in the other and she would just like oh. pull the head down and just snap its neck, bap, just like a little snap and uh, she'd do it over her knee and she was great because she had you know learnt this as a, a child herself growing up in the country Um uh, and then she handed me a live chicken. She said, now you do it. And I tried to do it. And then I couldn't bring myself to do it. So instead, I was like pulling on the poor chicken's neck and the chicken's <laughs> neck was getting longer and longer. And I was like, she was like, snap it, snap it. And I, but the neck seemed to be like elastic. And it was like getting longer and longer. And the poor chicken, uh, it was not good. So my mother had to <sighs> had to finish the job there. <clears throat> But then anyway, she would teach us to get the chicken and dump the chicken into like hot water once it was dead. And then that would help to release the feathers and you would just uh, pull the feathers down and keep your hand going real fast. And they would just come like falling out really quickly. Uh And then you would have to um, put your hand up the bottom of the chicken and pull out all the uh, intestines and. Uh, organs um, and that was you know really hard because the chicken was still warm just after being alive a few minutes later and she used to say the, the quicker you do it the quicker it'll be done and the fresher then the the meat but it it didn't sit well with me you yeah. know but it, she was great she was a great teacher and she was a fabulous cook uh, that chicken would taste you know so good by the time she was done with it. But uh, sometimes our relatives down the country, when we'd go to visit, they would give us, you know, live turkey for the Christmas dinner or live chickens oh. to bring back, <laughs> and uh, then we'd prepare it ourselves when we'd get home.
1: Wow. So when at what point did you actually go vegetarian?
0: Um, well, it was it was a bit later when I started doing yoga. I had this yoga teacher, and he said. Stop eating meat for 30 days. Don't eat any meat products for 30 days. And then we're all going to go out and have a steak dinner. And that's what (laughs) we did. We didn't eat any meat. And then we all and then we were to record how we felt Uh, different after eating the meat and we all had the same reaction we were all sluggish and tired and felt heavy and constipated Mm -hmm. and it was like a different feeling to the lightness of being that us vegetarians (laughs) (laughs) but then also I helped myself become a vegetarian because at one stage um, I had a little house in Ireland that was in the country And um, at the time, I was kind of interested in uh, shooting and guns. Really? I I know. know. What? Kind of ashamed of this part of my life. Um, (coughs) I had. What? Somebody gave me a single barrel shotgun. And the idea was to, if you had the single shot, um, you would take that shot more carefully and not miss Mm. your target, right? So Uh my targets were the poor defenseless bunnies running in the fields. Yeah, I know. I'm so sad about it. (laughs) That's why I've rescued bunnies. Yeah, now
1: now she has three bunnies or two bunnies now in the backyard, and they're free and they they live and they have their little tunnels wherever they they desire. Yes, they live
0: their best (laughs) life. (laughs) <laughs> correct my
1: karma i see now
0: <laughs> i can remember with uh, with my single shot aiming so carefully uh, with the intention of killing the small animal you know and uh, uh so i became a pretty good shot um, and i did kill a few bunnies with that mm. yeah uh but I felt bad, dude. I can remember the last one. um, I can remember he he looked at me and I looked at him and then I killed him. And that's so mean. I'm so sorry, little bunny. But I remember skinning them and curing the skins as best I could and uh, eating the meat, even though it wasn't good. And I wasn't a good cook. (laughs) But I did. I did try to, like, do the right thing by the bunny. But I don't know what was going on in my mind. And I remember one of my sisters, Ronnie, she said to me, what are you doing? Why would you want to do that? And that really stuck with me. And I couldn't do it anymore once somebody called me because <laughs> I didn't need to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But now I have these beautiful little free bunnies in the mm-hmm. garden and they're like, hey, when I go out, they're like, hey, how are you? And I get lots of eye contact and lots of. Uh, you know love with
1: they'll them. come eat out of your hand instead yes <laughs> so cute <laughs>
0: um, but yeah it's very interesting um, to think about all of the the uh, ways that life will lead you into a path like I didn't actually become vegetarian until I was well into my late 20s 30s maybe mm. yeah wow. yeah and I don't have anything against anybody eating meat. They'll get there too. <laughs> <laughs> but growing up in Ireland was a great uh, place to grow up. So uh, much fun. Um, so interesting. Like my father was a taxi driver. In the mm-hmm. city, and he used to work nights because there was more work. He'd bring people from the airport. He'd pick up people from the city. Coming out of the nightclubs and the pubs and stuff Ireland's known for its busy nightlife, Um, so that's (laughs) that's when his day would start. Um, Yeah, and uh, he was so wonderful, such a great man. It's so honest and wonderful. Um, You know, I can remember him priding himself in his honesty and
1: and, his jokes
0: and his jokes. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) so hilarious. But uh, like if somebody gave him too much change in the shop like even it was a penny he'd go back in and he'd say oh you gave me the wrong change and give it back to them that's the thought it was um but sometimes we'd wake up in the middle of the night and he'd be coming in with a bunch of americans (laughs) because they had come in too late and something had happened with their hotel or something went wrong and they had nowhere to stay and um My uh, mother would sometimes let him, you know, do a bed and breakfast where they could have uh, bed and then breakfast. But it was maybe one of our beds, so (laughs) we'd have to pile in uh, a few of us, like four, into one bed, and the (laughs) amount would get the bed. And then uh, when they'd wake up in the morning, then of course they'd get uh, the Irish breakfast. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, and it was great fun. We made lots of friends.
1: I love that about
0: Irish people. They're so welcoming. Yeah, so uh, we made uh, lots of friends that way. Um, and it gave us like ideas of other parts of the world. And um, they weren't all Americans, of course, they were from different parts of the world. But Americans always stuck in my head because they were so interesting. <laughs> and I remember St. Patrick's Day in Ireland was very religious day. We'd all get up and go to mass and... We'd uh, wear our little shamrock on our jacket. um, And then after mass, we'd sometimes go into the city centre to uh, see the the parade. And, uh, of course... What we wanted to see were the Americans in the parade because they have these <laughs> wonderful bands and people who'd come from America dressed all in green and wearing green tights. The green tights were always amazing to us. <laughs> but uh, also, um, Americans helped us, you know, see our identity that they would come and everything was so charming and so quaint and so lovely that it kind of like showed us like how wonderful our country really is Mm. and it is a place to go and visit, if you've never been to Ireland go and visit you'll laugh, Mm -hmm. you'll cry you'll see beautiful scenery and Mm -hmm. meet the best people, salt of the earth absolutely wonderful people (laughs) but don't, if you're a young woman don't let those men talk poetry to you (laughs) don't let, if they start with the poetry, get out of there, quick! Oh, <laughs> that um, what
1: happened to you? That's what
0: happened to me? They're so <laughs> romantic and they're so captivating. And of course, um, poetry in Ireland's a big thing. You know, that's another form of storytelling and weaving of words and form of hypnosis, right? Um, mm-hmm. My own husband caught me with a poem too. Yeah. <laughs> the first he invited me to a poetry session. And uh, yeah, that's another story there.
1: <laughs> That'll be the next episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for coming and listening to some of our stories. Uh, please come back again and tell your friends if any, you think anybody might be interested in listening to The Bleeding Truth.
1: Yes, absolutely. Share it with everybody you know and make sure to give Sally a like and subscribe if you're on YouTube or a follow if you're on Apple and Spotify. And we will see you in the next one.
0: Thanks a million. Thanks a million.